I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right will be your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right will tackle topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen or bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company, Black Dog Builders, in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals and past clients to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. So welcome back to Renovation Made Right, Episode 2. I am uh, very excited about the opportunity to do this for uh, all listeners and excited to be back here with you. I am too. All right, Brenda, good to see you this morning. Thank you. Good to see you. Um, I so think I need to point this out. Okay. Um, we're wearing the same clothes, so if you're watching the video, it's because we're recording on the same day. So I will try to change my clothes <laughs> for the next event. <laughs> Are you going to change your clothes between each show? So if we do three shows in a day? I kind of feel like I need to. Is that I right? I mean, if you're videotaping it. So I I'll change mine, but it'll be, this, be a white shirt. So I just have to bring three white shirts. Well, you'd rule a lot, so, you know, it'd be good. (laughs) All right, let's get to the meat of the matter. So the first thing that we really wanted to talk about, um, and the thing that I think might be the most helpful for our listeners, is the intent behind this show is to help listeners have a better experience when doing a renovation project of any kind, right? Mm -hmm. And so we feel like foundational to that is having a good understanding of the renovation industry. And in our intro show, we talked a bit about that, but there's so much more to talk about, right? And we could go on and on and on. Exactly, exactly. And there are a couple, and we won't do that. We're Thank gonna, God. We're going to yes. give you action-packed information, <laughs> right, that you can really you know, use to make a difference in how you proceed. Um, but there, let, let's start out with a couple of key statistics um, that I think are indicative of some of the challenges around remodeling. So uh, the first one is that the average consumer waits about 18 months mm-hmm. before they enter into doing a remodeling or before they actually reach out to a company to talk about remodeling. So they, they think about it. Let's let's say it's a couple, right? And a couple has a project in mind, a bathroom. They spend 18 months various times kicking it around, thinking about it before anybody actually either picks up the phone. Right. Or, and that's not, that's averaging in the people who wait five years or six right, years or right. 10 years. That's exactly right. I'm but, thinking about my bathroom yeah. right now and have been <laughs> for the last five years. Yeah. You got to calm down. Yeah. Not, <laughs> we, got four, we got four kids. If only I could find a good company. Yeah. So, exactly, that's the problem. So, <laughs> um, so I think that th- that's a big issue, right? So that there's a lot of a lot of reasons why it takes people that long. Um, and it's even interesting, too, to see. So over the course of time, as the Internet has become more and more dominant, um, we have seen an increase in the number of people who reach out to our company, mm-hmm. not by picking up the phone, but right. by submitting a form online, right? So even those people that finally get over the hump to decide to make a call, or decide to engage, they still want to engage like almost yeah. at an arm's length. Uh, right, right, exactly. They don't want to have the phone call. They're they scared want to, to just, make the phone call. Which is funny because eventually we have to actually come to the house. Right. Right. But but I think it's interesting. I just my, my sense is that people have a lot of anxiety about it and are holding off as long as they can, mm-hmm. even though they want something. Right. Right. So there's that there's that issue around sort of the anxiety, and we'll talk about why that exists, and we'll talk about the industry reputation. Um, then you also shared something you were talking we were talking about earlier um, with uh, with the motivation behind what often kicks off a project. 
Oh, so yeah, the biggest thing I think in kitchens is that you have a failure of an appliance. Right. Um, or in a bathroom, you have a failure, like a faucet is leaking or something. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, my oven broke and I have to replace my oven. Well, if I'm going to replace my oven, I'm going to have to put a new cutout in the cabinet that it's in, and I might have to buy a new cabinet. Well, if I have to buy a new cabinet, then I really want all new cabinets. And right. if I'm going to get new cabinets, I want new countertops. And if I'm going to do all this, then I really should redesign the space because it doesn't really work well for me anymore. So it's sort of this snowballing effect. Exactly. And it those actually are the things that even if somebody's thinking about, like say, like I said, you know, five years they've been thinking, hmm, it would be nice to have a new kitchen. That's the thing. That's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. right. That's the one right. thing that just pushes them over the edge. And yeah. says, okay, I have to do this now. And so that's sometimes yeah. the, sort of you're almost kind of forced into it, right? Right. And then obviously there's tons of different reasons why people remodel. Um, you know, whether you you have a, a change in your in your personal living situation, mm -hmm. whether you uh, you know have have a, another child, or whether a parent is is uh, has been aging and now is going to move in with the family. There's tons of different reasons why that might happen. Right. But one of the constants is the fact that people are concerned about how they're going to get from I need this or I want this, whether that's a whether that's a kitchen project, a bathroom project, a, uh, a you know an addition. I want that. How do I go about getting it? Right. right? There's a lot of a, a lot of or even what do I want? Defining I mean, the project. Defining that, the project. Right. Is a that big is challenge. difficult for people right. to to even right. just start this process because they said I know I don't want this, but I don't really have any idea what I do want. Right. And so that can be paralyzing. The last sort of statistic that I want to share, I think, goes right to the heart of all of this paralyzing stuff, right? And the last statistic is, um, I just read recently in one of the big trade magazines, it was either a remodeling magazine or qualified remodeler, that um, for the second year in a row, our industry, let's call that just home renovation mm -hmm. in general, um, home improvement in general, our industry has, for the second year in a row, ranked number two in consumer complaints, mm -hmm. I think that's based on Better Business Bureau stats. Number two in consumer complaints, uh, and uh, in the country, and we are tucked in right behind. What do you think? Could it be used cars? It happens to be used car sales, <laughs> right? So, and and uh, there are that's there, a real, there, that's really bad. Yeah, there, I mean, there there have been movies made around used cars. Yeah. Well, the truth is, there have been movies made around uh, home improvement too. Yeah, <laughs> but, that's true. But but. That's they that's never bad, complimentary, right? right? So that's so for and and don't I don't I'm not trying to paint with too broad a brush here. I realize and appreciate the fact that in the car business there are plenty of reputable, credible, ethical people doing business in that industry. Mm -hmm. But as but on, there's plenty of not reputable right, and on a whole, people, right? uh, you know, but on a whole, it's got a bad mm -hmm. rap, right? And yep. and everybody knows that. I mean, you know, that, that's that's just kind of a joke almost, right? Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, remodeling is not much better. Right. And and I think it's Yeah, but you need to you need to clarify why it's not much better. That's exactly right. Yeah. So let's begin. So I would say the biggest reason it's not much better is that it is a very easy industry to enter with very little capital investment. Right. So for like you mentioned earlier, um, in New Hampshire there's no licensing requirements. Right to become a contractor. So anybody with a truck and some tools can say, I'm a contractor, and start to do business. E even, even a station wagon. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Honestly. Um, and, and so it's a very low bar to entry, which means that you have people entering the industry that have no education about it, have no education about running a business, have a, no education about design, have no education about um, 
questions, the customer service. You know, so there's a whole level of things that, that anybody can just enter in. Right. And, um, and that's just a recipe for disaster. And so I think what you just hit on is probably the single biggest point is, is um, that it's easy to get in and out of this business, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and yes, there is licensing, and licensing is a good thing, but it's not in every state. Mm-hmm. So we work in both Massachusetts and New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, in New Hampshire, there's no licensing in Mass. There is, right? And there's some, country, there's some states that have really good licensing procedures, and there's some states that have pretty weak ones, right? right. So as an example... Or non-existent. Or non-existent mm-hmm. at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, example, uh, in Florida. Florida is known for really good licensing. Right, mm-hmm. and and that's a good thing for that part of the country right. because that then helps homes get built that can withstand hurricanes. you know hurricanes and things right. like that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 the inspectional services are really demanding, and and you just not everybody can get a license, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's that's where the consumer benefits, right? Um, right, and you think about the overreach of government, and people always you know complain about this, but in in some cases you know in terms of protecting consumers. Having having stringent expectations for license, licensing contractors is really helpful to consumers. Absolutely, and so if we if we go back to a New Hampshire scenario, where a New Hampshire home builder uh, can have no license whatever. In fact, there is no license to have, right? And mm-hmm. you can have no license. It's a live for your die state. It, it is. You may die when your home falls <laughs> down on you. <laughs> and, and so so that's true. Um, but if you think about it, right? So. There are many of the trades involved in building a house that actually have to have a license, right? right? But the one person who is responsible for orchestrating the entire thing, mm-hmm. whether it's the setting the foundation, whether it's orienting that, whether it's coordinating the septic system, whether it's whatever's going on, there's the general contractor, the mm-hmm. one person who is sort of at the center of the whole thing who needs no licensing. Yet, many of the people that come in, plumber, electrician, gas fitter, you know, on and on, need licensing mm-hmm. uh, to do their job in the state. Um, so that's a that's a, has always struck me as not a good thing. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a uh, while I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of bigger government at all. I am a big fan of making sure that people have to have have to clear some kind of bar of right. competency right. to be able to have that responsibility. And it's a big responsibility. Yes, it right? is. So, but I, but I think the other part of that is we talk about licensing. Licensing does not train you how to run a business effectively. 100%. How to right. how to charge for your job so that you're you're not going out of business in the middle of a project and right. having to leave the customer hanging high and dry. <coughs> so uh, you know that it's a, it's a good start to have a licensed right. contractor. It is certainly not the be all end all and there's a lot of stuff you need to check out as a consumer to make sure that you're going to be um, safe and taken care of throughout the process. And I, so I think that's a really excellent point. I think, um, you know, you don't want to lull yourself into a false sense of security because you're only talking to licensed contractors, right? right. That, that's the bar. That's the, that's, that's, the, that's, right. the, that's the gate of entry right. Right, that we have to that we have to clear. Um, and, and then finding the right contractor is going to be much more challenging. And that's going to be a whole other show we're going to do mm-hmm. on, on finding the right contractor. We're going to do a show on, on finding the right project and, and how we do all those things. But mm-hmm. for today, we felt like it would be helpful to, to help people understand a little bit more about the arena that they're working in when the time comes to consider doing a remodeling project. So there's the issue of licensing we just talked about. Um, and, and But the bigger issue, we touched on a little bit in the intro show, but I want to get into more detail here. And, and like I was saying, I, I do not think, just like I don't think the used car business is a magnet for bad people, mm-hmm. I know the remodeling industry is not. Oh, either. there's some lovely, right. lovely people. And, you know, if you if you listen to the intro show... You talked about your first company, Greystone, right. we and, went you, under. and you knew nothing. nothing. And you're you're like 
the biggest Boy Scout there is <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, honest and forthright. Like, you could probably recite the whole Boy Scout creed. Just, like, you know, just... just so it's, let's it's be clear. Your, it's your being. I was a Cub Scout. I didn't make it to Boy Scouts. But, uh, I know that. Right, right. But... I know that. But but it's just, it's who you are. So there's a lot of really honest... I appreciate like, that earnest people that go into this business because they have uh, a skill set and and I did mention that the um, you know that entrepreneurial seizure that people have to start right. a business um, they have they have a skill set to do the job maybe but they don't have the skill set to run a business and, and run it effectively and that's the point that I really want to pick up and so on. they're not they're not trying to get you know they're not trying to take your money and run they're not trying to screw you over it's really that they just get themselves in a bad situation. Right. So let's take a look at a scenario. Let's let's talk about that. And and I think it's endemic to the industry, right? So when I first started, I, we talked about in the intro show that I was very lucky because you actually had a real job and your job, mm -hmm. you made decent enough money mm -hmm. that it and allowed... Benefits and, yeah, right, and you yeah. had benefits and, it allow, and you could pay our mortgage and so forth. And it allowed me to spend a bunch of time floundering, frankly. <laughs> you I, I, were a flounder. I was a flounder, yeah. right? Um, trying to figure out what it took to run a business successfully and right. what it took to make money running it successfully mm -hmm. so that I could be sustainable, yep. right? Not not so that I could get rich, but so I could build a sustainable business, mm -hmm. right, that would deliver good experiences and projects to clients, right? Um, and so in my case, be, thank you for saying that I'm an honest, honest and ethical guy, and there's a lot of other guys like that, but I was in a position where if I sold a client a project and halfway through the project, I realized that I blew it, numbers-wise, mm -hmm. money-wise, right? Yep. So I undercharged, which I did all the time, mm -hmm. right? I thought I could do it sooner. I thought my electrician would cost me less. I thought my materials would cost whatever right. it was. That's just right? a lack of experience. Right, a lack of knowledge, lack of experience. So I'd be in a situation where part through the project, I could see down the road that the project was going to be a financial failure, mm -hmm. right? Um, I was in a position where I could, first of all, my, I would never let the client know that. That's not their problem. That's mm -hmm. my problem, mm -hmm. right? I agreed on a fixed price to do the project, and I'm going to do it for that price. But I had for lack of a better word, we had no kids at that point in time. We had, you know, life was a little bit simpler um, and we had our nut covered, if you will, by your income. Mm -hmm. So I could then do the right thing. Right. And, and say, well, I won't make money. And I'm just going to, I'm going right. to keep on putting hours into this project because it's going to take me another two weeks to finish it. Right. And, and I was swinging a hammer. Yes, I got to pay maybe another guy or helper or whatever, whoever, but, but I could then spend the time to finish that project and do the right thing, even if then I made no money. Mm -hmm. And, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have stiffed the client. Right. right? I made no money. Clients never knows that. But then I walk away, kind of lick my wounds a little bit, right. and try to do better learn next something. Time. Right. And and try to do time, a better right? job. But, but yeah, there's a lot of people who don't have um, well, that resource. Maybe they have a spouse. Maybe they don't have a spouse, or maybe they have a spouse exactly. who's not working or working minimum wage right. job or whatever, and they don't have the resources. So they look down the barrel of this. Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars on this job. I have no resources to right. cover that, and so they really don't have a choice. So but to maybe, pull the plug yeah, maybe and they walk. take maybe they take that next payment that's due. So the, the client makes their third payment on the project, and they don't do it gleefully, but they do it out of desperation, and they take that that check, mm -hmm. they put that in the bank, and they go start another project, and they have to leave that project because right. they knew they're going to lose their shirt on it, right. and they're now starting another project where they can get another deposit, and and it becomes this snowball of perpetuating problems right. that uh, that builds. Now, I'm, uh, that story that we're, we're walking you through, that is the reality for a significant number of contractors, and, and they're not evil people. They are no. less informed, right? right? And They're not evil, and they're desperate. 
This right. is what happens. You uh, know, they get themselves into a bit painted into a bad situation and they can't get themselves out of it. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's really a big thing. Um, and it's and here's the thing. If you're lucky, so clients who hired me in the beginning, when I was really still trying to figure things out and understand how to run a business and understand how to price projects, um, there are some clients that are living in projects that I built 30 years ago. Right. That For I, substantially less than right, they would have paid otherwise. That, that so built, you got a bargain. Right. But it's a risky, risky bargain. Right. And I probably built your project for half of what I should built it for. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I tried to be a stand-up guy and because I had a wife making money, I could do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those folks got a super deal. Mm-hmm. Right. And does that opportunity still exist? It does still exist. Yeah. But yeah, but but you know, you may pick. You may be the lucky person who picks that lottery ticket with the the honest kid who has some resources to exactly. back up on. We'll finish it. But but that's a really lucky lottery ticket, right? And it doesn't happen very often, right? Exactly. And so that, so I say I think that's one of the things that's really important is that there, as we talk about this, and in our next show when we talk about sort of how you select a contractor and, and where you go about that process and how you find one, there's a continuum of risk that that consumers take on and. Um, and the less educated, the ed- less educated contractor that you hire is the higher risk contractor, right? right? Well, what's the, what's the t- statistic? Is the ninety five percent of new businesses go under in the first five years? That's that's one hundred percent right. Ninety five percent of all new businesses. That's go all new businesses, under. right? Right. And the mortality rate for remodeling companies is higher. Yeah. Right. And then so, it, so yeah. in other words, like if you hired somebody who only started in the last five years, you get a ninety five percent chance of them going out of business. Maybe not with your project. Maybe with your project, right? Or what corners are they trying to cut because they've screwed up this estimate, right? So you know right. what what isn't happening. So there's a level of trust and and security that you lose in that process. And I think it, I want to be really really clear to the listeners. Um, this is I, I, we are not sharing all this information as a scare tactic to make you not want to do a project, right? That's right. that is not our intent here, right? We're sharing this information as a foundation to help you understand. And then in subsequent shows, we're going to give you all the tools that you need to try to ensure that you have a positive experience right. and a positive outcome. Because and there, there are, are plenty of good companies out there. Exactly. Plenty of good, stable companies that you can. And so it's right. not even just about, you know, we'd love you to come to us, but there's plenty of other companies just right in our area that would serve you well. And so let's also just, we, we talked a little bit in the first show sort of about the e-myth and the entrepreneurial seizure and things like that. And mm-hmm. that a lot of, that most small businesses are technicians who are having an entrepreneurial seizure. That's what mm-hmm. Michael Gerber calls it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really, really agree with that. And one of the big challenges, though, um, in the remodeling world is access to good knowledge, right? There, right. there really isn't, like, remodeling college, mm-hmm. right? And, and remodeling is a unique business. There's a lot of information, a lot of stuff to know about it. So, uh, once again, I believe that the issue is not bad people, but the issue is more about ignorance, mm-hmm. more about not knowing what they what they need to know to do things successfully and do things correctly. Um, and because it's a challenging business, and, and I went through this exact same thing. I can remember a conversation with my in our first company with my partner, where I said to him, uh, "You know what? I there's a seminar coming up. There's a guy coming to town, and there's a seminar coming up, and it's on estimating. I really think we should go to that seminar." And he looked at our checkbook balance, because that's how sophisticated we were. We'd have to figure out our lives by our checkbook balance. <laughs> he looked at our checkbook balance and, and said, we don't have the money. Right. right. So what is the irony in that? Right. Because it is entirely possible if we had had the money to go to that stupid seminar. And you would have charged that more than We would have charged more and, money right. and we would have not failed. We would have mm-hmm. not gone out of business if we had actually taken the time to go to the seminar mm-hmm. to teach me how to estimate. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you're so busy doing it, doing it, doing it, that it's very hard to take a break and pull back and say, say am I doing it right? Am I right? And what yeah. don't I know? Right. Right. What are the things that I need to learn? And and you know, because like every other business, you need to be a student mm-hmm. of of the business. You need to be a student of the industry and so forth. So that's that's a big challenge. And, and I mean, you need to be a student of houses if you think about like all the working parts of right. of a house, um, and and how it all fits together so that you can actually have a space that is comfortable to live in and safe to live in and um, energy efficient to live in and right. all that kind of stuff. It, it's very much like you know, and and I don't want to try to equate this to like being a doctor but in a way you are you're a doctor for the house and 100%. if you have years of experience under your belt and know what works and what doesn't and why um you're you're going to provide a much better product than somebody who's just brand new and really just just learning their way as they go so i want to pick up on that metaphor because actually i use that metaphor so for a long time um, i used to do these consumer seminars mm-hmm. planning the perfect remodeling project and um, and they were geared around the content that we're talking about today. It was mm-hmm. ge- it was geared around helping people have a better experience, whether they hired our company or not. It was geared around creating a better experience. And I used to use the medical industry as uh, as, a, as an analogy to say, yeah, so today, like when we were younger, you would just go to the family doctor, mm-hmm. and whatever the issue was, the family doctor would tell you what to do, and you would just do it, mm-hmm. right? Today, like many things, the medical world has become way bigger, way more complex, way more convoluted and mm-hmm. challenging. And I don't think there's anybody who's listening that would argue with the fact that you need to be your own advocate. Self-advocate. You right. have mm-hmm. to advocate for yourself. You have to educate yourself. You have to learn all these things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's no slight against the, the, the medical profession. That's just the way it works today. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't doing that, you're not going to get the best care. Right. If you're not educating yourself. Now, I'm, I appreciate the fact that that every doctor has got to struggle just like we struggle in that now consumers can get on to, you know, WebMD right. and, uh, and, and self-diagnose Absolutely. Yeah, right? Right. And, and that's must gotta, be so frustrating. That's got to be the bane of their existence, right? <laughs> Clients coming in and saying, oh, I think I have, you know, right. typhoid, you know, for, for type 1 or whatever, right, you know, right. and... and then their doctors rolling their eyes, thinking, "Oh, here we go again, right?" right. And and we get the same thing. We have consumers that educate themselves into confusion, mm-hmm. right, on the internet about their projects, about the materials, and things like that. A little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Right, right. Yep. But uh, you know, I think that um, I, I think being a self advocate as a homeowner, mm-hmm. considering doing a remodeling project, mm-hmm. a, is a really big piece of it, and that's a big reason why you are listening to this, right, and 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 hopefully learning. So that as you launch into the project, you're going right. to have a better outcome. Right. Right. Um, so, again, I think the big takeaway is the industry is challenging, and um, and it's also challenging because as we talked about, you know, not only is education hard to come by in in a meaningful way, um, it's hard to make time for for contractors who are busy trying right. to make o- a buck. Yeah, and often those contractors, like you were in the beginning, you'd be working all day, right. swinging hammer all day, and then. Doing estimates at night right. and meeting with clients at night, and right. you and so at where's the end the of it, you're like, "Where's the time to go yeah. take I'm, a step back?" Yeah. I'm out of gas. By the time I'm done with my last estimate at night, which might have been ten o'clock at night, right. all I want to do is sleep. Right. Right. And so, and so who's the guy that wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Uh, so that was Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey yep. wrote, and, and one of the one of his uh, habits was sharpen the saw. Exactly. Which was, you know, basically continue continuous learning. Right? right, always making yourself a little bit better, and it's really hard if you're working 80, 90, 100 hours a week, right. and um, and you you're just, just think, starting out. I'm going to just saw faster. 
I'm just right. going to cut that wood faster. Right. Right. <laughs> and but with a dull you, saw, it doesn't right. work. But if right. you took a little time out and sharpened yep. that blade, it'd be a whole lot easier. Yep. So, I, so that's a big piece of it. And, and 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 frankly, another piece of it that goes against the the education side of it is many of the people that are in the trades um, are in the trades because they enjoy working with their hands. They don't enjoy um, paperwork. They don't enjoy. Maybe they don't enjoy reading. Maybe they don't enjoy education. Maybe maybe school was a bad experience for them. Right. Mm-hmm. So in this in this country. We tend to try to educate the entire population the same way, right? And and the entire population doesn't learn the same way, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, that's the way education is right now. And that's true. And a lot of people end up in the trades because they didn't enjoy like traditional um, kinds of schools, and right. yet they're highly intelligent people, exactly. very capable of, right. of doing great work. But right. going back and reading a book or reading a sem- or going to a seminar feels right. onerous. And we still, I still, we still interview carpenters that come on board. Um, and it's 2019, we still need carpenters who don't have any functional use of a computer. So when mm-hmm. we ask them to do some technical stuff on a computer, it's a big challenge for them, right? right. And that's 2019. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but, but that's indicative of where their strengths are, and they, the strengths don't feel like they're in tech, as an example. Mm-hmm. Or, or so, so that's another piece that sort of supports the challenges. So I think it, it's, it's helpful for consumers to understand that as a baseline so that as we head into our other shows, um, you'll you'll understand where we're coming from. And we're going to start giving you sort of more meaningful pointers and tips about how we uh, how we can advise you to navigate the waters of our modeling process to get a good outcome. Correct. All right. Yes. So uh, I am David Bryan, and I'm Brenda Bryan, and we want to thank you very much for being with us today, and uh, look forward to our next show. Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com, and follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you like the show, leave us a review.